What up, y'all? I'm Rajay. And I'm Shy. And welcome to the RXS Podcast. The podcast where we provide inspiration, motivation, and information to the music community. Yeah. Gang, gang, gang. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what are we talking about today, babe? Leaving home. Oh, wow. Um, and building a career outside of home and outside of your family. Wow. Um, Yeah. A very inspirational person to me, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure he will be an inspiration to you all. So let's get into the pot. Peace. What up, y'all? I'm here with Sherrod Barnes. <laughs> What's up? The one and only. <laughs> How you doing, man? Hey, I can't complain, man. God is great. God is good. What's been up lately? Oh, man. Lately? I mean, my, my life is pretty much the same. I mean, I've done a series of Broadway plays, um, uh, which is not of the norm of what I normally do. But, you know, I've done a Tina Turner Broadway musical, Almost uh -huh. Famous, um, and um, a couple off-Broadway shows as well. So that's been um, uh, the latest. And yeah. I've done, I've, you know, I still do various gigs here and yeah, there with, yeah. with, with other people. So, yeah, yeah. Still, still is is music all the way, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> so I want to do what we normally do, and I want to go all the way back. Take me back to the <laughs> beginning. Whoa, little Sherrod. Where were you born? First of all, Man, for people who don't know, I was born right in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right here in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. What was it like growing up? Um, man, I had the most fun. Uh, my my, the most fun of my life was growing up with my my um, sisters and brothers yeah when i when i look over my life that was the greatest time of my life no worries of course you know when you're in the home with your mother and father you have no worries they take care of all your worries so that's the best time for me when i think back those are the really great times my yeah. sisters and brothers yeah. yeah 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 so is every was everybody or is everybody musical I would like to think so where where if you know i don't i don't know if everybody is in terms of outwardly singing or playing but you know they have some sensibility of music where there's just uh knowing what having uh uh knowing what good music is yeah or pinpointing certain things yeah um it's only a couple of us that you know you know deborah myself yeah um and uh wanda who who would you you would say okay these are the three who really uh, have music in the forefront. Yeah, Lisa too, but Lisa's very She's, quiet yeah. in, in, in that sense. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when yeah. did y'all discover that you guys could sing and play? Wow, I ah oh, gosh, that's a good one. Um, I can tell you this. I think when I was four or five years old, I knew that I wanted to play an instrument. I mm -hmm. knew that then. My my inspiration was my uncle Roy. Yeah, that was my inspiration. On um, as it pertains to a hands-on instrument, he was my inspiration. So I knew at an early age that I wanted to play music. I, th I guess I don't say I guess God put put you know He sprinkles your gifts on you, yeah. and it just happens to be that um, music was mine. So wow, you know. But but my inspiration really came from my uncle. Yeah, yeah. So uncle then, Roy. how old were you when you actually picked up an instrument? Um, I had to been. Five or six. Wow. My dad had an old sil silver tone guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just talked to someone about this recently, one of my musician friends in New York. Uh-huh. He remembered those guitars, a Sears and Robot guitar. <laughs> my dad had one and had, you know, strings were missing, you know, <laughs> and the string height was so high, you know, you couldn't fret the guitar. So it was yeah. crazy. But that was my first experience. And my mother 
um, there was this thing called Amway. Okay. I don't know if you guys remember Amway, where you buy enough stuff and you get points. And with the points, you can, you can get a gift. And my mother got me a ukulele. Wow. That was the first, um, my own instrument was a ukulele. But the, the funny or sad part was that my, um, I sat it down in the bed. My older sister sat on it. <laughs> and she, and, you know, with splinters after that, you know. It was, and I tried to revive the guitar. There was no way I could do that. But I was so um, brokenhearted. But I, hang, I, you know, I hung on to that guitar for a long time because I thought I could fix it, but there was no fixing yeah. after that. So, you know, I think like at four or five years old, I just, that was my um, uh, first um, uh, hands-on with, yeah. with an instrument. Yeah. And then how old were you when you got a real guitar? Uh, my first guitar was uh, when I started playing with Luther and I got my own guitar, like my first guitar was yeah. a Gibson Les Paul. I'll never forget this because we traveled out of, out of um, we went to Boston. Okay. And we usually travel with a U-Haul and we have, you know, we load our equipment in there. My guitar happens to be the first thing you would get to when you open the, the uh, door. We went in to get food in Boston and somebody cut the lock with a boat cutter and my guitar was the first thing there. That's what they stole out of the, um, wow. out of the U-Haul. So I was, that was, <laughs> that, so, so I was excited to have the guitar and brokenhearted because somebody broke in the trailer and stole the guitar. So that was my first guitar. How long did you have it before it got stolen? I only had it like maybe a week. Jeez. It might not, it might've been that's the first time I played it and the last time I played it. It could have been that too. That's, it got stolen very, very soon after that. Yeah. <laughs> so so crushed. so tell me about those days with Luther. What was that like? Um, wow, man. I was so excited about music and playing, but very shy. I was the only one um playing playing with the the, the Sunset Jubilaires at the time that would sit down because I was so shy. I was I called myself hiding myself, but when you sit down and everybody's standing up, you really like <laughs> exposing yourself, you know. <laughs> so um but you know, Luther um, gave me my first opportunity to play. Yeah. And he, you know, um, very open and very given um, in terms of, you know, I wasn't a great player who would be great, great at that time, but he still gave me the opportunity to play and all that stuff. So, you know, that was, um, that was a, the, the, great, the greatest times for me is just going through that period where, when things are fresh. Yeah. And you're, like, you, you, you're learning things, you're discovering things. So Luther really gave me the opportunity to, to um, explore musically. And how old were you at that time? Um, when I started with, with them, I had to have been like 14 maybe. Wow. Yeah, 14 and super shy. Yeah. <laughs> I was so to this day, I laugh at it because it's like, it's ridiculous how my mind was. I was like, man, look, you, you're exposing yourself. You're not really hiding from anyone. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 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 So then y'all started traveling. Did you practice at home when y'all weren't on the road? Not as much because here's the thing. When I started playing guitar, um, Sammy, which is Luther's older, oldest brother, yes, he played in the open tuning. So, so did I. I copied the way he played guitar because I had no other sensibility of what to do with the guitar or how to tune it. So I started playing in just open open tuning. And I noticed further along that all the guitar players that I liked um, sounded differently. That, you know, everything that I played was played differently. So I was like, okay, I couldn't get to those things that I really like because playing the open tuning 
you can get the courts open, but when you play closed courts, it doesn't really sound like the guys I like. So it took me a minute to really, once I tuned to 440, I, then I started to play. I started to practice all over the place. I was yeah. like, okay, everything started to make sense to me. Wow. So, yeah. So I started practicing. I was really listening, listening, practicing. And at that time, we had records. Mm-hmm. And you would, if you wanted to learn a riff, you would have to slow the records down. Yeah. So you would have to slow it down to learn what the guys are playing and all that yeah. stuff. So, so you, know, you know, it was the actually the, the best time of my life. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what kind of stuff were you learning and listening to? Like, who were you influenced by? Oh, man. I think the guitar player that I was listening to the most at that time, I think, was Jonathan Butler. Ooh. When I really got into guitar, because I think he... he his, and I always like jazz, but I'm not a jazz. That's more of a lifestyle. I like jazz, but I'm not a jazz player. Yeah. But I love to hear... Um, you know, jazz players improvise and all that stuff. Yeah. So I would listen to him, but he was the, the I would say the easiest because he's a singer songwriter, uh, musician. Easier, easy to pick up some of some of the riffs he does. Yeah. And you know, I could grasp it a little better. Yeah. The, as opposed to Wes Montgomery or George Benson, who's just <laughs> yeah. out of this world talented. You know. Yeah. So you know, yeah. So then you're on the road. You're mm-hmm. learning these songs. Mm-hmm. And then you start to do the sessions with Luther as well, right? I started doing sessions. Um, uh, yeah, some of the first records I did sessions on, like God gave us the best that he had. I mean, when I listen to the stuff now, it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, my goodness, you know? Yeah, it's, it's just, um, it's humbling. For, I would say that. Yeah. You know, because to, to, to look back and see where you started from until where I am today, you know, it's it's... It's like um, a dream come true. Yeah, it really is. You know, and, yeah, and it and it shows um, my dedication to 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 the art form. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, did you find that playing on stage and doing the sessions were different at they, that time? They are. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a. It's funny how when you're in the studio when a person push record how nervous you can be, um, how insecure you can be as far as your vocal, um, you know, whether you're playing an instrument or singing, you get a little nervous. A plan on stage is one take, so it doesn't matter. You you get what you get <laughs> yeah. when you're on stage. So um, it took a while for me, and it's still to this day, it depends on what the genre is, you still get a little uneasy with certain things because you. it's almost like somebody's, looking directly at you yeah you know when you're doing that like when you when you're playing live you just it's just one take and they people get what they get so yeah you know so it's, it's a different approach to the the two yeah mm-hmm. so i want to ask you about how many years were you with your family before you moved i want to say from the age 15 because i i played bass with fc2 so i would switch from guitar Bass was my first instrument. Okay, so we got to go back. So yeah. now we got to go back. <laughs> so you were yeah. playing bass first. Bass first because, you know, I was inspired by my uncle. My yeah. uncle was my inspiration, so I always wanted to play bass. So I started playing bass. I started learning that. started playing in church. But, I, I mean, I could take it back further because, uh, um, you know, Pope. That's yes. His son, Sweet, who passed away, yes. God rest his yes. soul. My brother and I used to go to his place because he had all the gear. 
Okay. So we didn't have all the gear at that time. That at that time I had to been like seven, eight years old. Uh huh. He had all. He had the drums. He had the drums that light up. The bass <laughs> guitar. So we 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 used to go to this place all the time just to mess around with the instruments. But I think I was the out of my brother and I. I was the one that really um, yeah. got into music. He was too a little, but he was more of an athlete than I. Than yeah. I was too, but I was more into music than he was. Yeah. So that's then I started playing bass. That was my first um, love. So I was doing that first, uh-huh. and then started to play in church, um, on one string, <laughs> because <laughs> you know I couldn't play bass. Yeah. So after a while, I started to learn how to play bass. So that that was the the you know first instrument that I I would say that I played out openly mm-hmm. because you know at church you you always you, you have the opportunity to play. Yeah. Not you know they you know FC wasn't gonna say don't play because he kind of said yeah yeah do that yeah but that's a growth you know that's a growth thing too so yes you know yeah so how long did you play bass before you picked up the guitar i kind of did them simultaneously okay i i liked them both but um I, when i started playing with luther i started i was playing guitar around 14 i started yeah. playing with yeah so i was learning some chords from from um sammy um just for certain things he would show me some things um in that in the open tuning yeah so but i bass was bass and to this day, it's my that's my first love as an wow. instrument. I mean, I love guitar, but bass is the one I think I have more sensibility on because that was my first love. That makes sense. Yeah. So, do you still do gigs as a bassist now? I, I do sometimes. I mean, I I subbed on Roberta's gig, Roberta Flack. I play guitar and sometimes play bass if the yeah. bass player wasn't there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm very I'm capable of playing. I just don't play. I don't get called to play bass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and some of the bass players are very intimidating, you know? <laughs> yeah, I feel you. you know, yeah. Like, uh, I still, you know, you can you, you can make you a little like, oh, I don't think I want to do that. But, you know, as far as, you know, I'll give you the tonic, you know what I'm saying? I can I can hold hold my own playing the bass. It depends, depends on how complex the music is. Yeah. But that's, you know, I feel... I feel at ease on bass because that was my first instrument. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So... You get to the place where you're doing the sessions, you're doing the gigs. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you decide to move away. Yeah, because, well, here's the thing. After a while, I was growing so much. You know, I was growing so much um, musically that, um, and I think Luther noticed it too. He did. He he was aware of my growth because he started to be start incorporating me into certain things because of it. Yeah, you know, like, yes. Yeah. So so that's <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like, once you, I don't want to say I outgrow, uh, that I outgrew um, what I was doing with Luther because I think his music is timeless because I, I can refer to it now more than I could, and I appreciate it now more than I did then. Yes. So, yeah, I just start, started to um, just outgrow where I was. Yeah, people started calling me to do certain things and playing, uh, but I still give Luther the credit for that because he, once he started using other musicians for his recordings, I think I was the only one out of them that was was playing. You know, so you're saying mm-hmm. he would he would hire outside musicians, oh, yeah. but you were still yeah, I was still a part of that thing, and and not to d- diminish the um, greatness of the other musicians is just that, you know, just like as I took a, took a stance and moves, you know, Luther was developing too. Yeah. He was seeing things in a broader, broader way. And, and still he would, you know, he still kept the musicians. It's just that um, 
you, I think when you start listening to music and seeing how things are put together, um, the level of professionalism, the level of um, musical knowledge. Yeah. Sometimes you just grow in a way where you just outgrow where you are. Yeah. And, so, and then you just, so, so that was, that's the same thing that happened with me. I just outgrew it in a way. How were you aware that you did? I mean, sometimes people let you know, you know. Wow. Okay. <laughs> sometimes you, you, you just, uh, you know, when I would go play with Luther, um, you know, you, 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 when you're around great musicians and, and great musicians notice your gift, you know, all the guys, Spanky and all the great guitar players, Dwight, all these guys, Mitch, that used to play with the William brothers. Yeah. I just started to grow and develop. And, I, you know, I became one of those cats. Yeah. So then I knew um, that I was in, at least going in, in, headed in the right direction. Yeah. In terms of my growth. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah. then when did you say, okay, I think I've done everything I can do here. It's time to move on. How old were you? Maybe in my 30s. Wow. I think I was in my 30s. Because once, once I started doing these sessions in Atlanta with Luther, I met other people. Yes. Other people started calling me to do other things. So, wow. Um, uh, Kevin Broughton was, uh, was uh, one of Luther's um, 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 pianists that, that did, a, did a lot of the records. Mm -hmm. They would call me. So I would, I would, to do I, other sessions. Yeah, I would, go, I would go to Atlanta like at least every other week <laughs> to do sessions or I played with uh, played on uh, Candy Staten's record. Um, I did some live gigs with um, Ann Nesby, The Sounds of Blackness. So they started to place me in situations. Yeah. And, you know, and um, most of the people that I work with, they call me back to this day. Wow. You know, I can still work with them. So I'm 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 not bragging. I'm just saying that God has really given me something yeah. a tool to use to to show to show his greatness. So yes. that's you know. So that's so I'm gonna say I was in my mid maybe before my mid thirties because, you know, I I could could very well been in a place musically um that um my peers what were not moving towards. Yeah. So I didn't then you have to branch out. Let's talk about that for a minute yeah. because to some people, that doesn't feel good. When, when never, it's not supposed to. <gasps> growth, when you have growth spurts, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> but yes. it, does, it does not diminish what the outcome is, yes. what it's supposed to be. Yes. It's not going to feel good. So, I mean, of course, my father didn't like the fact that I would move on. He didn't like that because he's so used to me being there. You know, so I understand that, yeah. you know, it wasn't meant to feel good. It was meant meant to to uh, appreciate and accept some things you have to accept. That's it. That's how life goes. Life is never um, peaches and cream, as they say. Yeah. But it can turn to that based on how you deal with the yeah. adversity and things of that nature. It can turn into peaches and cream. But I I, I had to move in a way that um, I was led in a way. This is, you know, your final stop is not. Um, where you're from it's just moving out from where you're from that's that's how i felt it i moved out from where i'm from uh and that's what you have to do sometimes you cannot stay in one spot and do what you do and that may not feel good to everybody you know wow. so that's that's the way it, way it went <laughs> so how how did you deal mentally and emotionally with knowing that some people supported it and then some people felt the way um i never Lost love for my family. Mm. You know what? After a while, 
it's almost like getting a cut. It hurts at first, but it heals. So, you know, time is is the time is the operative word. Yes. It takes time for people to get used to that. And once, you know, they saw that I was um um kind of happy and successful in what I was doing, um, you know, then acceptance. Yeah, it it, it it almost goes from dang to I'm so proud. Absolutely. <laughs> but 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 that's what it is. It's almost when you when you you know, when you've been if you've been with someone long enough, the 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 separation gonna 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 cause some friction. Yeah. It's not an easy departure. Yeah. And and it's not meant to be an easy yeah. departure. Yes. We have to accept um life, we accept death. Yeah. It's not an easy departure, but it's just it's a part of life. So Absolutely. You know, so yeah. So where did you move to? When I um well, Atlanta was going to be the spot I moved, but then I got called to do Roberta Flack's gig. I started subbing a lot for her. So, how, how did you get that call? Well, my friend Jerry. Okay. Jerry Barnes and Catrice Barnes, they were great artists. Um, uh, some they're, they're my favorite uh, sister-brother team. Yeah. They um, did some sessions with me and my, my sister and I, and they from that session, they asked me to move there. I didn't move there right away, um, but they did ask me to move there to play with them. It took me another two years to do it. But um, during these sessions, Jerry noticed my talent. And um, Roberta's guitar player was going back and forth. He was playing with Luther Vandross and her. Sometimes he couldn't make Van Roberta's gig. So Jerry said, oh, I know the guy who could play. And that's how I, that's, he, you know, that's how I got the gig with her. Wow. So my friend Jerry Barnes is the one is responsible for me getting the gig with Roberta. You can see how God works, you know. <laughs> Everything's yeah. just started to learn. So it makes sense that, you know, that what God gave me from an early age is what, this is what i supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and it's not of my, it's, it's, I give all the glory to God for, for, for everything that I have. Yeah. It's, it's not because of me. It's because of what he's, God has given me. Wow. So I use that and I, I thank God for that. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. So what was your experience like? playing with Roberta? Oh, man. I can tell you this. I played with many people. I played with Whitney, who's one of the, you know, that's somebody that I always dreamt of playing, playing with that I had the opportunity to play with her too, which was a, a great experience. Roberta, to me, I think, musically, was like going to school. It, it, it is, because you have to learn dynamics, you have to learn to play with someone that has a soft voice. You have to learn when to play something, how loud to play something. Dynamics was a big thing in her, her um, music. But she gave you the freedom to do what you felt in the music. Long as, it, long, as long as it was within um, the structure of what she does, she didn't mind you deviating from what you hear, the records and yeah. that, that thing, as long as it was good. She she allowed me to do it. So it was school, but you still had the freedom to express yourself, you know? Yes. So I want to ask you that because you're the master of that. What is the key to being expressive without going too far out? You have to listen. That's it. You have to listen. You have to listen to what's going on around you. Here's a good example. Sometimes Roberta would use three guitar players, and that's a lot. And I play with Dean Brown is a great, great guitar player. Phil Hamilton is a great guitar player. And then myself. So 
you have a rhythm section. You have percussion, drums, keyboards, and sometimes two keyboards, bass, three guitars. If you're listening, sometimes you don't participate. That's how deep it is. You don't play a note because there's no room for it. That's when you're really developing your ear for what's going on around you. You may play one bar on one riff. When you have three guitar players that play and you you and, and still sound musically, then you're doing something right. But her 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 gig um, taught me those things. Where you're playing with a lot of musicians, and sometimes you, you the best thing you can do is lay out. That's a, you know what I'm saying. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's heavy. The best thing you can do is to lay out. To, but to know that is to be is to listen to what's going on around you. You know, I'm not saying it's perfect in that, but it helped me to grow in a way where um, I, I'm. Most people ha- have to tell me tell me to turn up. Uh, like, could you turn up some? And that's what you want, <laughs> you know. This, so I ha- I have no problem sitting in with people, and I think that's what most when people hire hire me or or, or um you know bands different bands I play with they like that part. It's better to less is more sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so who are some other artists you started to play with once you moved? Wow, man. Well, so we got Roberta Flack. Yeah. Um, Whitney Houston. The first two I did with her was Whitney Houston, Natalie Cole, and Dionne Warwick. So these are some of the greatest of all times that I had the opportunity to to um, play play with. Um, Greg Gaines. I did a lot of stuff with him. With um, um, uh, I did a lot of things with him with the same artists and with uh, Quincy Jones. Um, in in uh, we did this thing in in um, uh, where was it? Rome. Jeez. I did this. Yeah, with. You know, had various artists there, Alicia Keys, and had a bunch of people on these things. So, the you know, Greg Filling Gaines, who who, who in his He's, own right is a great one of the greatest. Amazing. Yeah. So him, um, Ray Chu, I play with a lot too. Who does who does uh, Dancing with the Stars, Apollo Theater, and so many other things. He would call me to do things as well. Um, wow, I um, co-produced on Beyonce's first record. Um, uh, Angie Stone, I co-produced on um, a record of hers. So I had, a, I had, you know, doing production and and playing. So, so let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the production, and how did the Beyonce thing come up? Well, production, I was, I started doing it with Luther. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I, I, I had started developing. I've always liked to write and create stuff. So, but Luther was the first one to give me opportunity to do that. So from that, I just started, I just kept writing stuff. And this is, this is crazy how, how um, your, your guests will make room for you. It's yes. crazy how, if you look at my picture, from coming from here to where I have been and where I am now. Yes. It's, it's, it, blows, it blows my mind. Yes. But these are things that usually you have no control over. <laughs> yes. The right people come at the right time. That's what it has been for me. God never failed me. That's what I want to tell you. God never failed me. Yes. I have some rough times, but God never failed me in that way. So all these people, that's my phone, I bet you. <laughs> you. You can move my bag. But anyway, <laughs> that's how, you know, I met this guy, um, Fanatic, uh-huh. who who um, produces a lot of um, artists. Uh-huh. And um, he's the one I used to do stuff with, and he got he got the song Speechless to Beyonce um, that we co-produced. That we co-produced and that just 
It just came together like that. I, you know, I couldn't tell so you. So you why. and Fanatic just made the track. We made the track, and he pitched it because he was the one doing most of the legwork with this, um, with um, the production. I mean, I was hands on production, but as far as getting it to people, the placements people, and yeah, he was doing those things. So um, that's how that happened. That was like, you know, it, it, I wasn't expecting that. It just happened, bro. Just I can't, I can't explain it to you. What was your feeling when you heard it got placed? I was excited. I was happy about that. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, this is, um, I'm doing something right. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so that's how I felt. I didn't get too overly excited about it because I'm not, you know. I tr- oh. All right, all right, hold on. Y'all, yeah. we're going to take a break. <laughs> what up, y'all? I'm Rajay, and I'm interrupting the pod to present an opportunity for y'all to support the brand and the fam. So do this for me. Head over to RajayXShaw.com, click the merchandise tab, and grab a hoodie, t-shirt, or hat. And remember this thing, no matter what people say or think, live your life. Now back to the episode. All right, we cut your phone off, so we back now. (laughs) (laughs) So no, you're good. So one thing I want to ask you for Mm -hmm. like producers and musicians who um, are searching for placements or desire to have placements it sounds like you just teamed up with someone and it was a natural progression versus like forcing it right yeah i mean usually that's i i yeah i usually that's how i do it i'm not um i'm not the kind of guy that that's very um aggressive in trying to get stuff together i let it just come to me basically i mean i I guess i could use a little bit more aggression in that way but um you know music the music industry is kind of oversaturated in doing that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, that I mean, when I was doing it, when I had these records going, that was like the end of that kind of era. Yes. But, you know, now everybody can, you do stuff at home. You can, yeah. You know, so it's just a lot of it going on. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what was the business side of that? Did like. That's what you have to watch. Mm. That's what you really have to watch, the business side. That is where the problem comes in. Yeah. Anytime. You dealing, it's it's a side of doing music. It's a to, it's another monster to yes. deal with the business. That's when you that's when you have the most issues with with the uh, the music industry. Is that that part of yes. it? Yes. And I mean, I've been through some stuff where I was unfairly treated, and it happens to to the best of them. I don't think you would, you know, I don't think there's not one producer that hadn't gone through that stuff yeah that's the nasty part of it um not getting credited for stuff that you did and you know um people just taking advantage of your 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 talents i had it all happen yeah you know so how did you deal in those situations well most of the time for me if someone i mean i give people a chance to redeem themselves if if i work with them before i say okay cool it's almost like i hit you and we said okay i'm sorry but if it if it continues to happen, I would just not deal with them anymore. Yeah, I cut I cut it off. Yeah, because after a while, I'm just being a fool, and that's yes. what I don't want to be. So, um, yeah, I'll cut people off if they're they're unfair. I don't care who it is, really. That's the yes. truth. It's it's not worth you getting used. And what would you say to people? Because there are some people, Sharad, that mm-hmm. will put up with that mm-hmm. because of what they think it'll get them in the long run. Well, I mean, you have to pick your battles. For instance, if you're, if you're dealing with somebody like Quincy Jones, you, you have to be a little bit more flexible. 
<laughs> because you know what what he brings. Yeah. You're dealing with somebody like Beyonce or perhaps, I'm, I never worked with Michael Jackson, but if you're dealing with somebody like that, you, 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 you're dealing, it's worth your while to deal with him. <laughs> you can deal with him and be a little flexible in, in your, your, uh, yeah. the way you deal with him. Sometimes not to your, your, your um, liking or advantage. It's to their advantage, but you, you look at the big picture, yeah. what it may bring to you. So, yes. so you have to pick, pick and choose who you deal with that way. If the big artist, you have to have some have flexibility. I'm not saying you have to have that, but it's it's a it's a gamble. It's a game. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, if people blatantly just out to use you, then you know, I, I cut that off. Man, listen, <laughs> it's crazy because I just dealt with the situation where I was going back and forth, wondering what I should do because mm-hmm. I know it didn't feel right, mm-hmm. and I'm like. I want to make the best of this situation and I want to hope the best, but this feels funny. And like on the outside looking into some people, like there are people who are extremely successful Mm -hmm. who being attached to them looks amazing. Right. But behind the curtain, it ain't so good. That is the truth. (laughs) You have to, yeah, you, you have to pick your battles when you feel that. You should you should really pay attention to your intuition. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm not saying you should say yes or yes or no would be up to you, yes, but sir. if you feel something isn't right, you feel like no, they're not dealing with me right. You, you know, it's it's up to you to say, hey, you can say what you want. You can come into a situation dealing with you can say, this is what I like and this is what I don't like. Yeah. Most of the time, when you're dealing with artists and you you know we we go in there very naive and happy to do something. And not on the business level, you know. And, you know, you can get representation if you don't have that quality. So I didn't have that kind of quality, but I would get somebody who did that. Yeah, it. because what can happen is mm-hmm. people recognize when you're naive. Absolutely. <laughs> and insecure. They, yeah, people sense, especially the shocks out there, they know these, these, they know what that is. Yes. And they will take advantage of it. Yes. They, trust me, I've been, I've been through it, so. Yeah. Is there one story, you don't have to say no names, but is there one story you can tell the people where that happened and what you learned from it? I can tell you this. <clears throat> and I can give a name because I can appreciate what he did. Wow. This is Mario Winans. And this is and, and I'm not saying this to slander him. I'm just saying this the power of somebody saying I'm sorry. Wow. This is what I learned from him. He didn't at that time he didn't have to pay me for what he owed me because I appreciate it. He came to me like a man. Wow. And set, so I did sessions with him and and um, at the time, uh, for whatever reason, money, things and all that stuff, it didn't pan out that way. But during the pandemic, you know what? He called me. Wow. He called me and he apologized to me. And this is the way people should be. You should be able now to, to reach back that far and remember those things to me is, is amazing yes. for a person to remember. Because at this time, it had been two years since mm-hmm. I talked to him at all. And he called me and he said, man, I want to apologize to you. And I want to pay you for what I didn't pay you for. Never had that happen before. Even if he didn't pay me, what I did appreciate was the apology and the apologies and the acknowledgement because most, most, most of them don't do that. You just don't hear from them more, but he manned up and came back and, 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 and then he paid me too. Yeah. So that, that was one of the, one of the, you know, I, you know, I would, Normally, I would just not not work with the person anymore. And I still may feel that way to some degree, but I can appreciate he's the first to ever do that. Yeah. And I've been used by 
couple people. <laughs> but he's the first person who would ever who ever came back and said that he was sorry for the way things went down. Yeah. And I I appreciated that. Absolutely. Yeah. He he manned up and and came and then he paid me too. Yeah, and so. I think that's important because things do happen. Yeah. Situations do come. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're in cloudy spaces. Yeah. But to come back around yeah. and want to fix it, that that's yeah. that shows where your heart is. Absolutely. That's the way you should do it. Yeah. I mean, you should do things the way, but not things don't happen the way you want them all the time. So I mean, I'm mad enough to know that some things you just have to let go. Whatever the situation is, you have to let it go. But I could I could appreciate the fact that he called me. Yeah. And he wanted to write what was yes, wrong. Yes, absolutely. Not every, not all, 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 everybody else. I don't want to mention anybody. <laughs> not like that. Right. But he was. So, so the next question I want to ask you mm-hmm. is like throughout your career, how have you gone about choosing what to say yes to and what to say no to? Well, I look at my overall needs, whether it's my living conditions. Um, uh, my children, I look at all that stuff. And, and that's what I think about in terms of somebody asking me to do something, the time it would take to do it. Um, I live in Jersey. Some people have stuff going on in New York. I, I look at, you know, all of that. You have to look at time. You have to look at um, what they're asking for. Um, all these things uh, go into me um, saying yes or no to something, you know. And I, I, I do some stuff, some things for free. Wow. I've done that. So, you know, but generally that's how I go about um, saying, yeah, I'll do it or, or no. So how do you go about choosing what to do for free? That's just if, if my heart. Yes, I'm sir. led to do it that way. Somebody would ask me to do something, say, like, I don't have this. I said, cool. I can appreciate somebody being straight with me. Yeah. I don't, I don't want somebody to, to uh, you know, send me the, the smoke. Just tell me what's straight. Yeah. I can appreciate a person being honest with me saying, I ain't got, I don't have any money. Yeah. And then that's when the heart comes in. Absolutely. I say, boom. And then, you know, a lot of times I'll just do it. I have a friend that did, did this recently. Just wow. I said, I don't have, um, I don't have anything. Yeah. Could you do this for me? I say, absolutely. Wow. And I just did it. But, you know, it's a give and take, man. Yeah. Not everything is, is money. Like, he may, in the future, say this dude did this for me, and right when I need it, he, he he's paying me for something or getting yeah. me involved in something. So you have to know, you know. I can appreciate a person's honesty. Yeah. Just be honest with me. Yeah, that's it. That's all I need from you. Yeah, you know whether it's a paid gig or not, just shoot straight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How how have you dealt with the ups and downs of the music industry? Well, the ups and downs teaches you, you know, ups and downs to teach you what to do, what not to do. You have to go through some ups and downs to know how to deal with situations. Like, you know, a lot of times with musicians, you, you, it's, it's always been this. So when you're up here, you learn that when you're up here, you have to reserve some of your money and things of that nature because that, that bad time is coming. Yes. So, so you have to think about the storms. You can't think about what's well, going good now. And any time, you know, you're, you're, the, the platform could be snatched from under you. Yes. So that's the way I, I had to learn how to manage. But I went through some hard times with, with money and all that stuff in music, man. And, but, you know, you learn from that. You learn, yeah. okay, um, budget and 
you know, being smart with what you spend your money on, saving money and, you know, having children will help that too. Yes. Because <laughs> I have two that I have to take care of, so yeah. there's not so much splurging that I can do yeah. anyway. So, yeah. Did those hard times ever make you want to give it up? No. I looked at it as two totally different things. My love for music, it's like having a music and music business, two different things. You can have money, but you can have millions of dollars, and if you don't know how to manage it, you can lose it. Yes. So it's two two different things. You have to know how to use money, how to manage money, this and that and the other. It has nothing to do with your gift. Your gift is your gift. You love to do that, but if it becomes an art form, you definitely have to know how. Money is a whole art form of, of itself. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, you've that's seen a, it. You've that's seen, a good point, though. You've, you've seen it many times. You can see some of your favorite basketball players, sport figures who yep. have tons of money. And if you don't know how to manage money and you don't have somebody else who knows how, they can be, they can be broke in no time. Yes, that's so, true. So it has nothing to do with that. I, I love music. Nothing that I've dealt with stopped me from loving music. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. It's the business part of it that, that be like, ah. Yes. But never, I never said, nah, I won't play or do something, you know, if yes. asked to do so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First of all, let me reiterate that money is a, is an art form of its own. It is. Like, so the same way we learn how to master the craft of our instrument, we need to learn how to master the craft you said of it. money. You said it. Sheesh. <laughs> yes. Anybody who had money and lost it knows that they know that. Yeah. And I've had it and lost it. Yeah. And if you don't learn how to manage it, you will lose it again. Yeah. So you so and that has nothing to do with your talent. That's just just what that's what you're given from playing. Absolutely. But playing alone, if I if it didn't if it wasn't an art form or was had nothing to do with money, you know, it's fine for me. That, yeah, you would because still I play. love it. I would yes. still play. It's the love of music. But business can taint any art form. Yeah, it can. It can. It can. Yeah. So you have to know how to deal with both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wanna um talk to you about the writing side because some mm-hmm. people don't know and I want you to share with them because they don't know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know especially gospel mm-hmm. producers don't know that when they create mm-hmm. melodies mm-hmm. that inspire what comes next mm-hmm. that they are songwriters yeah some musicians and producers don't know that the song is not just the lyrics true did you always know that I didn't always. I think for me, I learned from producers who take advantage of stuff. That's how I learned. I mean, I learned from that the yeah. hard way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did I did something with Full Force for um, Ashanti. And uh, in the studio, it was just me and Jerry writing stuff, who, who I think is a great producer, by the way. I don't want to put nobody down. Yeah. Because I'm past that. But I'm just giving you an example of not knowing yes. writing, not knowing what the producer is, not knowing what a... You know, you can be, you can do music and still be be a writer, yes. not a producer. Yep. So I learned all that stuff with them, but I still felt like what I brought to it was so much more than what they were giving me. I'm, because if it wasn't for what I brought to it, it wouldn't even be a song. So that's how I look at that. So, okay, if you're going to put me on the writer's share, don't give me, you know, you, you're dealing with, you're dealing with some uh, arrogant producers and big time guys i don't want to say names but yeah. they're gonna just because of their name they're gonna snatch a 
the yes, lion's share man. of stuff. So, yeah. So I learned from them that, okay, you have to always protect yourself. You have to know who you're dealing with, man. It's not an easy game um, to play. Yeah. You have to be strong in your moral stance with people. If, if no matter what it is, you know, you can say no to it. I'm not doing it that way. You have to know who you are, feel strong in who you are and what you bring to the plate when it comes to putting stuff together. I knew what I was doing, but these guys, some of them stronghold you and they use, well, this is how, all, this is how Barry Gordy, Gordy did it. This is how they use those guys as an, as an example of how, you know, this, this, is, this, is some, this is not right. Right. If I did something with you, if it's me and you, wh why do we need to discuss the, the splits? It'll be 50-50. <laughs> it, that's a no-brainer to me. But when you're dealing with certain people, you have to let it be known. Yeah, that's crazy. If somebody's working with me, I ain't going to have no problem with giving them what, giving them what they deserve. Right. Period. That's how it goes. Right. But, but you get you have egos. You have people who wants to be the brand of everything. They want to be out in the forefront. They want to be the one who controls everything, although they're not the ones who putting it all together. And then they, they love to use, you got to pay your dues. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah. It's like, all right. At what point are the dues paid up? They're not. It's just you, you decide that. Wow. You can decide that yourself. I decide that for myself. What dues to be paid? Wow. Not somebody telling you you have to pay your dues first. It's it's one thing. It's one thing to to say you have to pay your dues, which we all do. But it's one thing to use that with somebody when you know you're not you unfairly treating them. Yes. That's two different things to me. Don't say I have to pay my dues so you can get the lion's share of the money. That's not that's not fair. You're doing that just so that I can pay my dues. I'm paying my dues. Yeah. My dues have been paid as we speak. Yes. So why should I shaft you or get take money from you that you earn? Why should I do that? Because you pay, you got to pay your dues. That's a lame excuse for using someone. Woo. A lot of times, a lot of times it's it's very unfair. Yes. Yeah. So, but you you decide it yourself. Yeah. You know you can say yes or no to something. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, when you when you know your worth. But sometimes you when you work with people who you idolize, you don't think about that. You just all Google all into it <laughs> and you don't think. So probably. how do you manage because you've played with a lot of big names? Mm -hmm. How do you manage like, OK, I know how big this MD is. I know how big this producer is. I know how big this artist is, but I got to handle my business. That's yeah. I mean, I don't I've never been starstruck. Never, never been overwhelmed by some, seeing somebody for the first time. I think one guitar player, and this probably wouldn't even be in, you know, a Larry Carlton I really love as a guitar player. That's one guy that I'm like, oh, I, I wanted to shake his. I was, I was really Googled over yeah. that, you know, but as far as the artists, I don't, I've never been the one that, I have a, not a lot of photos with most of the artists I played with because I just give them the space. What I come there for, what I think about for the most part is to do a good job. And I think about my family. That's what comes first to me. Um, that's a reason why I've been, you know, connected with these people, with, with some of the artists that I play for. There's a reason why I'm there. And I've, you know, I've been good enough to be there. Yes. I've been good enough to be there. That's enough for me. I've been good enough to be there. And that's not bragging or anything like that because I'm not that kind of person. Yes. But if you call me and you call me a couple of times, I must be doing something that you like it. That's right. Yes. So I'm not, I don't trip. I never tripped over artists before. Absolutely. Just never did. You know, 
I appreciate them. You know, playing with Whitney is a very prestigious thing to say or have on your resume. It helps to do other things because people assume that you're a great musician if you play with those artists. Yeah. And, you know, um, so the assumption was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I felt, yeah, I, I, I'm very comfortable in my skin. I mean, I have a lot to learn musically, so I'm open to that. But, man... I'm grateful to the Almighty God for where I am. Yes. I could t- I couldn't tell you no. That's I'm grateful to God yes. because it allowed me to take care of my children and yes. all the all the pieces put together were not my own. They were not mine. There were things set aside. I think that God he, he puts you in the position and He opened these gates for you to go into. And that's what that's how I that's I contributed all. To to the to the Almighty God for where I am, where I have been, what I've gone through, the lessons that I've learned, He put that instrument in my hand for that reason. Yes. For that reason, that's why I play the guitar. Wow! So it's all that we can teach and show God's greatness. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. I owe it all to God. Yes, sir. Yes. What up, y'all? I'm Rajay, and I want to say first, thank y'all for the support. Thank y'all for the love and thank y'all for watching and listening to this podcast. We really don't take it for granted. Hey, if y'all want to continue to support us by spending y'all money, I got a way for y'all to do that. Y'all go to RajayXShaw.com and pick up that Make It Happen hoodie today. Life be crazy, but we still got to do what? Make it happen. Gang. If you had to inspire or give encouraging words to um, an aspiring musician or producer Mm -hmm. who's out here today, what would you tell them? Never give up. Put God first. Put God first because if you step on a nail, he's going to pull that nail right out of your foot. If he puts a nail in your path, it's it's for a reason. If he puts a wall in your path, it's for a reason. You have to trust God. You put that wall there, the wall there's for a reason. It's, it's for the elevation of you. And I had many of them, and God has allowed me to climb over them. Yes, sir. So you, you put God first is what I tell the musician today. Young musicians, I mean, there are other things, details and stuff like that. But, man, listen, we serve an almighty God. You feel that way. You know that way. It's bigger than me and you that yeah. knows all. So... That's what I would say to a young musician. You, you, you have to put God first. Trust your gift. Never give up. Um, you know, stay uh, on your, hone in on your craft. Try to get this, uh, you know, take your craft to another level. Yes. You know, that's, that's, that's what I would say. You know? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All, the stuff, all, all the roadblocks are meant for you. They're meant for you. <laughs> they're, meant, they're meant for you when you hit one. <laughs> when you hit one. Just take it. It's a lesson to learn. Yes, it's a lesson to learn and it's a lesson to teach. Mm. That's how I look at it. All the things that I've gone through, I can teach my children. Yes. If, had, had I not had those lessons, I wouldn't be able to teach them anything. Yes. So the hard knocks is a part of your growth. Wow. It's, it's a part of your growth. Mm. So do you have conversations with your children about hard times? I do with my daughter now. She's 16 years old. My daughter experienced a lot of the things that I experienced myself growing up. So now this is the perfect God we deal with. So if she experienced the same thing that I experienced, I come through them, I can teach her how to come through them. Yes. 
that's where we are now with my with my daughter. Yes. I say, I know what you're talking about. I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you're going through. Here's here's something. I just gave gave her a book the other day, um, the Four Agreements that uh, was given to me. I bought it for her. I said, I'm going to buy you this book. I want you to read it. I want you to look at it. And you know, if you read ten, she says you read ten pages. Say, I said, do that. If you don't understand something, let me know. So we're here to learn. We're here to teach. Yes. You can't you can't teach if you ain't gone through anything. Yes. <laughs> you just cannot teach. Absolutely. You can't teach that way. You you got you gonna have to get some knocks upside your head to know. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's another conversation because I think that's what's wrong with children today. They don't they have no boundaries. Yes. It can be good in a way, but a bad in a way because my mother and father were like the the theory, um, putting your hand on fire, you know it burns. And you wouldn't put it on there again. <laughs> Lesson is learned. Yeah. You won't touch it again. So, so you know, this goes deeper than, than what we're talking about now. But Absolutely. Yeah. So, And I, I think that's a big deal to talk about because mm-hmm. when musicians talk a lot of times or when producers get together, singers, we have a lot of conversations about the music, mm-hmm. but we're people with lives. Absolutely. And sometimes we're in situations where you could be doing something with somebody where their performance mm-hmm. is not good because of what's going on. And, and we'll easily say, hey, man, you ain't on your game. Like, send them home or whatever. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there might be an issue where if you just ask him, is he okay, yeah. you will learn something that you didn't know. Absolutely. Have you ever been in any situations like that? Um, or have you ever had conversations with your peers and bandmates about real life? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, like now in my, you know, I'm 56 now. So in my, yeah, you, I certainly do now. That's what the conversation is. Conversation isn't all the time about, you know, it's not like just music in general. It's just how music affects you. Yeah. It's the inside stuff. It isn't, yeah. isn't so, you know, <laughs> we talk about those things all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, life is different. Mm-hmm. Once you pass 40 <laughs> and get 50, life is way different. You yeah. try to pull the brakes on things. You start to look at things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, your taste buds are different. The people mm-hmm. you hang around are different. Yes. You don't do all the stupid things you um, used to do. Yeah. So you grow, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. that you've gotten older, are you on the road as much? I'm not on the road as much. Um, I um, Recent time, I, like, like I started with, I was doing Broadway shows which you know allowed uh some things to be very structured um i think that musicians need anyway you need even if you if if you're not in a structured situation learn how to manage what you have don't spend a you know don't spend above your means you know those are things to really really consider because my my daughters well i call pateri my son because it's from another relationship i I still look at him as my son i tell him all the time i said just you know don't waste your your money. Don't waste your things. You you make sure you take up because I've been through enough where I know you can the platform can be snatched from underneath you yes. at any time. Yes. So you have to protect yourself. So mm. has a platform ever been snatched from under you? Before? Many times. Wow. Deservingly so. Wow. Because how would you learn? A lot of times when you're on a path and you you're not thinking straight, all of a sudden. All my hard knocks was the best lessons for me. Woo! All of the tough ones, man. And I've been to places where I was broke. Yeah. That is the truth. I tell you, no lie. I've been to places where I was broke. Yeah. Or at least I thought it was. I still had money coming in in certain ways. But the, but the lesson I learned from it was valuable. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. You have to go through some hard times to know what that is. Yes. You have to hit that brick wall head first and that's how you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I appreciate the hard knocks. Yes. Because you can't teach anything if you don't have them. Yes. You can't, you can't always say what's good. That's because there's good and bad. Yes. And they both can be equally strong or stronger than the other sometimes, <laughs> depending on, yes. you know. You know, so, you know, yeah, I thank God, man. That's yes. all I can say for every up, for every down. Yes. Because I know that in my downs, he lifts me back up again. Absolutely. And there's something to learn while you're down in that pit. Yeah, man. You reflect and you start to dig your way out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. Yeah. You've been up and you've been down. You're mm-hmm. here now. Yep. How is your mental health? It's great. I'm still, you know, I'm looking at the the shape of the world mm-hmm. at this time in my life. And you, you begin to see things. Man, you'd be like, you know, people who doubt, you know, you have a lot of people don't believe their God, don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe this and that and the other. But I'm saying that this time and point in, in, in my life, I was like, dude, you got to really start to look at I'm looking at I'm looking back from what I what I learned from F C Barnes. This is the truth. Yeah. I'm looking back. I'm looking back at some of the quartet groups that I grew up with and I'm singing some of the songs that they used to sing. Wow. In my when I'm in my time of despair. Those songs bring me up. So I'm saying that's, that you, you, the world is like people are dangling from a thread, holding on, but they're not holding on to the right thing. That's where we are, I believe, in the world. What I'm seeing, you got so many, you got so much division. Um, you got people, platforms, one believe in God, one uh, don't believe in God. Somebody had perspective here, perspective there. Confusing. And that's how the devil works. <laughs> so now, something made us. Because when you, that spirit leaves you, your body's not moving anymore. That is God. So to, to, I know there's a God. Some people who think there's not one, how do you not know that? Because when your, your spirit leaves, nothing that you have flesh lives anymore. It's this that thing that comes out of your thing that makes you talk and think that's only God given. Wow. So that, so, so in my mind, it's not so much music. It's just when, at 56, you come to the real, realization of things, man. And, you know, that's where my mind is. Yes, sir. Our creator. People think of heaven and hell. There's no heaven and hell. But a lot of people say there isn't. Nobody's been back to tell you either. <laughs> but I, Refuse to believe that God brought you here just to make money and buy houses and cars. For what? What is that? It has to be a bigger purpose for your life. Wow. After this flesh is gone. Wow. That's how I think of things. And it's, you know, you, you got so much, man. There's so, so many interpretations of that. But I will say that I believe in God. Yes. I believe there is a God. Nothing ever shook me in that way. Yes. Nothing ever ch- deterred my thinking as yes. far as that. <laughs> so I want to, I want to, I want to ask you about your playing mm-hmm. because it is very, very apparent in your playing. Mm-hmm. Like when you play, you have to like you have to be like unaware to not feel something. Wow. 
has anybody ever said to you like because like of course when you do like the roberta flax and different stuff like that that's quote-unquote secular Mm -hmm. have you has anybody ever told you like no i felt something different when i heard you play many times i mean that can happen throughout the night when i'm playing with someone um you know roberta will make gestures sometimes when she hears something that magical um you know as as anybody that i play with so um when I'm playing and involved in the music, it's already on a spiritual level. It's not of my own. It's just what comes out. Mm. When most musicians, that's what comes out. I mean, I have a lot of musicians, guitar players who I admire who are on that level too. Yes. On, it's like, whoa, you know, no matter what they're playing, that, that gift that they have, it comes out. So yes. I'm not always aware of what my plan may do for somebody else. Yes. And I'm not always aware either. I know when, when God uses me is the best times for people to feel something. It may not even be, you know, I don't know, choice of notes played. It could be one note played that people feel something I'm trying from, to tell you. You know, so. <laughs> I've seen so, it a lot of times. Yeah. I'm like, that man playing one <laughs> note, but good yeah, grief. That's, that's, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. You should allow um, God to intervene on when you are doing something that he gave you. You want to be the best representative of that and doing it through uh, um, the one who gave it to you Absolutely. is the best way. So, you know. So I got one more question. Sure. And we out of here. Because mm-hmm. this is going to help some people too. Mm-hmm. How do you manage your relationship with God while doing music that's not gospel? <laughs> well, here's a tricky thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know you can find this too. Have you ever heard music, secular music that touched you? try to separate what's been said, what's been played. Even secular music, musicians, it's a God-given gift. Any musician can feel that whether you believe in God or not, you can feel that. It's a, it's a, it's a national thing. That, that spirit doesn't, doesn't lie on a genre all the time. It does not lie on a genre. But to get the best out of it is to give God the glory. That's the best out of it. To get the best out of it is to give it back to the one who gave it to you. So I've heard many things that moved me. And I was like, this dude is in the spiritual place. And he may be playing something about what happened to him. Listen, there's so many things to learn from. That's how big God, you can't put God in a box. There's so many things to learn from. But you have to acknowledge the one who, the the creator. And that's what I do. I acknowledge the creator in whatever I'm playing yes, because he tells you to. Yeah. Acknowledge me. In all your ways. That's right. Yes. You said it. You said it in all your ways. Yes. All your ways are not liking <laughs> to the creator. Yes. But he said, acknowledge me in all your, and, then, um, and I will make your path. Yeah. Period. That's it. So I, I, I get a lot of, I mean, I see guitar players that reach me. Who's, it's, it's just music. It's just their heart pouring out. That's all it is. I can't look at the lyrical content. It, it all has its place. There's a, you, you heard this, there's a time and place for everything under the sun. That's in the book. Yes. There's a time and place for everything. Yes. It didn't say right or wrong, good or bad. There's a time and place for it all. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I can appreciate someone singing from the heart. Whitney, mm-hmm. that's a God-given talent. Yes. You you don't no matter what she's singing. You don't always have to know what she's singing about. 
But you can hear that what God give, gave her. Yes. You can always hear that when she sings. Yes. That's what that's what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about you know, she can be singing about a guy, but you can hear what she, what God gave her. Wow. You can hear that. Now, she acknowledges that too. No matter what she's doing, we would pray all the time before the gigs and sometimes have Bible study on Whitney's Whoa. touring. Yeah, we did that too. <laughs> now, even in her state, even where she was in her life, she never denied the fact that the Almighty is in her life. Wow. She was just smothered by these things. Mm. She was smothered by all the things. But I always thought Whitney was trying to dig her way out. She was trying to dig her way out of those things. Because he wanted to get back to the root of everything, which is God. For her, that's what it was. Yeah. She never missed a time not praying. Wow. She never missed a time not saying hallelujah, thank you, God, on stage. And even her state. And that's acknowledging God, whether you're right or wrong, you know, it's just giving him his props. It's just that simple. Yes, you know? It's that simple. I don't put it on the genre, man. When you feel something, it ain't gonna always be hallelujah, thank you. You can feel something from people's not so much of what they sang, but how they're delivering something. Yes. There's, there's a lot to hear in music. There's a lot to grasp from it. From it. I can learn how to sing stuff and sing gospel. I can learn from Whitney or Donnie or whoever, whoever and sing gospel music that way because they have a gift. That, that gift came from God, too. Mm. It's not of their own. Sheesh. When you hear stuff like that, it's not of their own, man. Trust me. If you hear somebody that sounds great and sings great, it's not of their own. God, God gave them that. What they do with it is another thing. Woo. But you cannot, you cannot deny the gift, whether you saved or not. You cannot deny the gift when you hear someone that can really sing because that's God-given. Yes. What they do with the gift, you know, who knows? Yeah. But I, I, I give glory to God because it's not, it's not me. Mm. It's him who... who, who Gave me what I have. Absolutely. So I acknowledge him in all my ways. Yeah. That's, that's important to do. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm Thank glad you guys here to do this. Yeah. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. This has yeah. been another episode of the RXS podcast with Sherrod Barnes. <laughs> Peace. Peace.